Anderson over it. It is Madison! And he's done it! A phenomenal free kick from James Madison! Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Five Minute Aberdeen Podcast, the podcast run and hosted by Dons fans like you who have to pay for their tickets. And a man that's forked out hundreds of pounds for a South Stand season ticket this year is Mr. Martin Clunas. Martin joins us again tonight. Martin, how are you? I'm doing great, Richard. Delighted to be back again. We're also very happy to welcome back a freelance writer. You'll see his byline and publication like uh, The Times or The Mail on Sunday. It's Ben Palmer. Ben, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Richard? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm also uh, very happy to welcome back uh, Jamie Keith, uh, our resident uh, team Dundee fan. And uh, as it happens, Dundee have played Dundee. Uh, sorry, Dundee have played Hamilton and Ross County so far in the league. So he's fairly well placed to talk about them as well. Jamie, thanks for coming back on the show. No, it's a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me back on. It's a little bit grey and bleak here, but it was uh, a different story down in Hamilton last Wednesday night. Uh, a fine summer's evening, not the finest of games, but uh, you don't get any points for style when you win in a cup, do you, Martin? It's just really about getting through to the next round, and, and we did that, and it's good to just build on that winning habit again. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the classic kind of cliche about winning ugly. Um, you know, we've got no... The record down there isn't, isn't phenomenal, um, so like you... It's an awkward place for us to go, um, you know. After the after the games last season as well, which was just um, so infuriating that we 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 actually managed to lose get, lose down there. Um, it was good to just kind of get down there, job done, and get back up the road. And you know, no one find you're no one find you're going to be in the next round. Ben, the goal scorer on the night, uh, Kenny McLean. He was playing a number ten role, um, just off the one of the the central attacking midfielder, if you will. And um, he really does need to provide more of a goal threat, both in terms of goals and assists, if he's going to play that role on a more regular basis. I know he played a lot last season slightly deeper to accommodate James Madison and latterly Ryan Christie, but only three goals and five assists from open play last season. He does need to get more involved uh, in the final stages, doesn't he? It's something that Kenny really does need to improve. He's very good at linking the play, the play from back to front. It's probably one of the things he's best at. But like you said, his goals and assists is nowhere near the level which it should be for a player of his standard. I mean, McKinnis paid money for him a few years ago, so he'd expect a better return. Um, it's strange with Kenny, because obviously Rangers have came in from £300,000 bid rejected. But... It would be easy to say, oh, this is sort of diverting his attention, but it's two seasons in a row he's had a slow start. It takes him a little while, he's a bit of a slow burner. I don't really know with him, to be honest. He's he's a very odd player to sort of judge and just what's going wrong with him. Um, he's certainly got goals in him, he's got assists in him, but what exactly isn't ticking is very difficult to put your finger on. Martin, it's difficult to... Uh 
point too many fingers at the guy that did get the winning goal on the night, obviously. But um, yeah, Kenny McLean, we've had uh, just patches really of him playing at top form. About 18 months ago on this podcast, I coined a phrase, a 2-0 player for him. He started to prove me wrong at the end of last season, but again, you wonder if he'd be on the, in the side of merit at the moment. You do have to, You do have to think that, yeah. I mean, if we're going to be successful, then... We really need Kenny to be kind of more involved and contributing a little bit more. Um, we can't always. It kind of seems obvious to say this, but you can't rely on people like Ryan Christie or even Scott Wright to kind of to dig you out a hole. Um, we don't have. You know, we don't, last year it was Johnny Hayes. It was seemed to be the one who was creating everything. We don't have that this season. So you know, when you've got guys like you know Mackay Stephen and Greg Stewart are going to be there as well. If Kenny's not going to be playing at the high level that we know we can, we do know he's capable of. And you were right when you called him a two 0 two 0 player that that no a year and a half ago. If he's not going to be performing at that kind of high level, then you know. Mackay Stevens, Stewart, there's guys who'll be in and who can take his place. One guy who we spent a fair bit of last week's podcast fanboying happily about was young Scott Wright. Uh, obviously a lot of hype on him after the performance at home to Hamilton in the league. Um, a bit more subdued when it came to uh, Wednesday night, Ben, but uh, it was a, a tremendous piece of skill from him that led to the goal in the first place. I mean, it is difficult because he is such an exciting talent. You want him to be playing at the top level week after week, but you have to remember he is only 20 years old. He's coming into a side which is the second best in Scotland. To sort of perform at that level week after week is very difficult for a kid of his age. I was surprised when Derek, we kind of said a couple of weeks ago, um, he has the potential to sort of be better than Johnny Hayes and Naomi Ginn. It seemed to put quite a lot of pressure on him, but watching him in games, he just seems to thrive on it. But there is a little bit of inconsistency there, which I think will only sort of develop with game time. The thing about going to a ground like Hamilton is it's not the sort of stadium, it's not the sort of uh, pitch that you would find in some of the bigger leagues in Europe. And I think... uh, Jamie, that what you can find that in larger stadium, in larger leagues rather, is that a lot of the stadiums grounds can be a bit identical. Home advantage doesn't really count for quite as much. But when you play in Scotland, you've really got to adapt, don't you? Not just to different surfaces, but places like Dingwall, for example, where it's a small, tight ground. Yeah, um, Hamlet's probably the best example of it, with the stadium being so open uh, and the pitch also being plastic. Um, I remember. Back when they first got it installed, we were actually playing them in the first division that season. And uh, they watered the pitch at half-time and the fans were utterly awestruck at why you'd water a plastic pitch. <laughs> but uh, they understand how to play it. And that's pretty much what football's all about in the 21st century, is understanding the conditions and how to manipulate them. And uh, certainly Hamilton understand how to do that with the pitch. It's slick, it'll roll, it'll roll. And uh, they play a style of football that kind of works with that. I mean, later this season, Martin will be going to Murrayfield, which will be a pretty empty cavern, really. And uh, again, it's it's going to be a a big job for us to adapt to a completely different environment. I suppose. I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, we've played in big stadiums before, though. Um, so you know, it's not like. Um, I mean, the only difference is that Murrayfield is probably going to be you no know, half empty. Um, you know, we've played at you no know, Hamden at Parkhead at Ibrox, um, so it's not going to be a. No, a, too much of a, a different task for us. Um, I suppose you could know that you know, there's different approaches. It's just the quality of the pitch, you know. And at this time of year, there's no excuse for any pitches to be you no know, anything less than immaculate, really. Um, so I mean, when you get on 
get on further in the season, then we can start complaining about things like that. But I think that you know, um, we should be kind of just keeping our playing our game the way we can at the start early start of the season anyway. Ben Hamilton in particular is a bit of a weird one, isn't it? You've got that empty end. Um, I, I see they've now put up uh, s- sort of more of a barrier there, whereas before you could see right through to the bus that they use for the drug counselling at uh, the edge of the five-a-side pitches. Um, it, it's it's just it's unique. I think is the fairest way to to call it, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I mean, Hamilton are sort of they are the smallest club in the top flight. Their stadium's a championship league one sort of ground. Um, Hamilton obviously got a bad press for how they play football and sort of just sort of sticking away in the top flight and not adding much to it. But in a whole, they deserve to be there. And if it means having that sort of ground in the top flight, then um, so be it, I suppose. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think there was a there was a lot of chatter amongst the Aberdeen support in terms of how many they brought north to Petaudry last week. And Jamie, I'll give you the opportunity to get the boot into your city rivals here. But, uh, <laughs> you know... A lot of people last season might have liked to see Dundee United come up, but Hamilton absolutely have won this place on merit again, haven't they? Yeah, definitely have. Um, it's not even just on merit, it's the fact they build. They're a team that are always rebuilding, they're always preparing for the future, that's why they stay up. There's so many teams that just focus on this season, whereas Hamilton have always got that youth system there in the background, pummeling away just making players, and it'll keep them up year after year. But uh, I've no problems with them being up. I actually quite like the pitch as well, to be honest with you. And uh, when you guys travel travel through there, I reckon it'll probably benefit you the way you play football. Well, that that would be the theory. Uh, it didn't really work out that way last season, but that uh, that certainly would have uh, been the theory with uh, the way we play. But one guy that had spent time on loan at Hamilton in his early career signed for the Dons last week. And the Stevie May signing finally got over the line after what seems about 17 efforts to, to land him on the part of Derek McInnes. And I, for one, am very excited about him. Obviously, Injury problems notwithstanding, I think we're all aware that there's a element of risk about this transfer. But Martin, a four-year deal suggests that uh, the management and uh, Derek McInnes certainly doesn't have too many risks about this uh, signing. I don't think so. No, I mean he's. You know, we all know that how much of that Derek McInnes is an admirer of Stevie May, and you know, the ability that Stevie May has is you know, it's it's there for all to see. You know, he's been injured. We know he's got pro- there's been problems there, but. If he can get anywhere back to being, you know, the player he was when he was at St Johnston, where he was, well, a lot of the times he was carrying St Johnston. I think really that, you know, we've got a, we've got a hell of a player in our hands for what was, you know, a fairly modest transfer fee, really. Uh, and you go, you get four years. It it it, it kind of it makes it it's more exciting as well because you think, well, Derek's not going to be looking to head out the door anytime soon if he's brought in this guy that he's been chasing for four years for well nearly what four windows five transfer windows. Um, it's certainly exciting, and you know I'm really, really happy. When the, when the news came out, it was it was it was a big thing. You know we've had a we've had a really good summer of exciting news and um, transfers. Uh, ben, I thought the there were some words from Alex Neal today, which I thought were quite interesting. He said that Stevie needed eight to ten games to get back to where I know he can be, and we just can't give him that because we need to win now. Well, Aberdeen obviously need to win now, but um, every football team yeah. needs to win now. But do you understand where he's coming from? Or uh, I mean, Alex Neal's comments are exactly what you would expect to hear from a manager in the English War Leagues. Um, he's already experienced just how cruel it can be if results aren't going your way. 
and I totally understand why you said we need to win games now. It's not a case of it's to push at the top of the league. It's just to sort of keep going and keep the fans on side because before you know it, you're 20 points behind teams at the top of the table. It's just so cruel down there. It can't wait to losing your job. If that means Stevie May um, not getting game time because we have another striker capable of scoring goals at this early stage of the season when maybe Stevie needs a bit of time to find his feet, maybe just find his touch again, then I can totally understand where Alex Neal's coming from. Stevie May coming in led to Miles Story leaving the club to go to Partick Thistle on Friday morning. Uh, now, Jamie, here was a guy who, who performed well at SPFL level before at Inverness. Had a few options, obviously, when he left Bittaudry as well. Um, it's just really the case that sometimes a certain type of player doesn't fit into a certain system. And to be honest, looking from the outside, it didn't seem that Master was ever a great fit for the way that Derek McInnes' teams play. Yeah, um, I think the switch basically with him and uh, <coughs> with uh, Steve May is probably indicative of that. Um, he knows that Steve May always put the effort in. He's got that bit of power up top. And it's probably what will separate them as well. You know, they're both similar ages. But uh, sometimes, you know, like I say, just the club doesn't fit with the player. And... Uh, you kind of hope that you you hit hit more than you miss, and uh, that'll probably definitely be the case with Aberdeen. He's going to move on and go part again. I'm pretty sure he'll do well because I do think he's a good player. I'm pretty sure you guys would agree with that. It's just one of those things in football that magically happens. It's got no reason for it. Yeah, I mean transfers, Martin, are inherently a, a bit of a shot in the dark, aren't they? There's always going to be a, a limited success rate. Even the best managers at that have, are going to have their failures. This one is a curious one because it never seemed as if he really got a run of games, but we know that Derek McInnes traditionally places great store on people's efforts in training. Yeah, I mean, there's all talk, all sorts of rumours about his training not being great, and there's kind of you no, know, there's there's a kind of internet chatter about how he you know he maybe likes a nightlife a little bit too much and things like that. But I mean, I think it's just it for me, it's just as simple as you no, know, he couldn't get in the team because he couldn't get in ahead in ahead of someone like Adam Rooney. And you know, people, you know, people can complain about Adam Rooney, you know, um, that he's you no, know, he only only scores goals, you no, know, he's he doesn't contribute in other ways, but you know. What you gonna you can't you can't drop a guy who's a twenty goal a season striker. Um, and Miles Story just it's unfortunate, really talented player, but you know if you 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 just couldn't get a look in ahead of Rooney. Well, uh, Stevie May made his debut on Saturday up in Dingwall, and uh, wasn't the only change up front. May made a start. Gary McKay Stevens started, and Greg Stewart was brought back into the starting lineup. And uh, Jamie is the man who's seen much much more of Greg Stewart than we have. Um, I'd be interested to hear from you on what he can bring to a team, but more importantly, uh, what the sort of tactical setup that Paul Hartley employed at Dundee that really got the best out of him. Yeah, um, I think from reading what McInnes has been saying, he sees him more as a central player, if I'm right. Well, he's played wide right of the three uh, more often yeah. than not when he's played. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of fits with what he was at Dundee. He was lined out as an out-and-out winger, but he played more as an, a traditional inside forward. If you give him that inside channel between the out-and-out wing and the centre, he'll be able to cut in from the right on his left foot all day, every day, and he'll score goals from it because the fences just can't handle it at this level. What about defensively, though? There was a question mark, wasn't there, about about his work rate, perhaps, uh, tracking back? Yeah. Um, he wasn't very well known for it at Dundee, very bluntly. <laughs> I don't think it helps that he's got a rather workman-like run about him. He doesn't look that he's got much pace. 
So when when he is on the ball and he is tracking back, it doesn't look like there's much there. But in credit to him, that's not why he was in the team at Dundee. And I don't think it's going to be one of the reasons why it's going to be you guys. He's going to be there for the goals up top and creating. But if uh, McInnes is going to look for it, then I'm pretty sure he'll implement it on him and make sure he goes for it. I mean, it's Cade Hemmings who we built sort of a tremendous relationship with um, playing that season. I, I don't want to get you too weepy about players who have left you, Jamie, but uh, what, I mean, what was it about Hemmings' game that uh, dovetailed so well with Greg Stewart? They just had this connection uh, going back to the days of Cowdenbeek. They both were on the same wavelength, uh, wavelength. They both knew where the other was going to make the run. I mean, you saw it so many times where Hemmings would make a decoy run across the defence and I'd open up space in the middle for Stewart. And uh, sometimes vice versa, she would make the run for Hemmings. It was just an instinctual thing between the two of them. And uh, yeah, I'm starting to weep now thinking about uh, the choice <laughs> of Ken Hemmings and Greg Stewart or uh, Danny Williams and uh, Elbert Dwee. Well, well, we'll come on to your current options a bit later on in the show, Jamie. And uh, it's, certainly, it's certainly been, uh, again, a, a summer of some upheaval and quite a few new faces to talk about there. So, But uh, yeah, Greg Stewart made the start on Saturday. And... Um, well, he and everybody else uh, had a pretty dreadful first 10 to 15 minutes. It wasn't just the goal, Ben. It seemed to be all at sea. Um, oh. Their front two in particular causing real trouble to our defence. Slow starts have been a real factor under Derek McInnes, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seemed totally like the blue um, so far this season. Certainly in Europe, um, the way Aberdeen is set up, it's been all about coming out the traps quickly, having a go at the opponents and sort of taking control. Whereas up in Dingwall, we were sitting watching it and um, Gardine skipped past Shea Logan just so easily. And Logan brought him down, he didn't even seem to be too fussed but he gave away a free kick. And that was inside two minutes and all of a sudden Craig Curran's put the Ross County ahead and Aberdeen had go behind. And it didn't, County could have easily scored another set of goal after that, even went free if they'd taken their chances. But it was so slow and just slow. Even Mark Reynolds and Derek McKinnis struggled to explain just what went wrong in that first 20 minutes. But we came into the game very well. And to be fair, once they got on top of County, there was no real doubt over which team would win in the end. Well, perhaps not until the last 10 minutes, at least anyway. Martin, Joe Lewis for the goal. Um... I, clearly, you'd like a centre half to get ahead to the cross. Obviously, that would that would have helped. But Joe comes, stops, is on his way back when the header basically bounces past him. Uh, yeah. In general, as well, didn't have the most encouraging of afternoons. Another cross later on, which he flapped out at. Yeah, he did. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't his best afternoon. Um, you know, you're looking at the for the goal. You know, it it um, Curran's in between Logan and Reynolds. Um, Logan, well, Reynolds kind of comes steaming over for it before it's, but by the time it's too late, um, you know, Curran, no, Curran's not going to get an easier header to score a goal from. Um, you know, yeah, you, I think you'd be looking for your keeper to come for that, and he, he'd maybe assumed that one of the centre halves was going, well, the right back or the centre half was going to pick him, pick it up. Um, I suppose it's one of those things where you just expect your keeper should come, and you know, if he take if he gets a ball and takes a man, then he's going to get he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Keepers always do, so it was a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, in ge- in general, Lewis has been you know a nine out of ten all the time, and so I mean, I, I really don't want to be too critical of just a a, a poor sort of fifteen twenty minutes at the beginning of a game, but um, it was a little bit it was a little bit disappointing, not just from him. I mean, the whole defense was. Was just a bit was a shambles at the beginning. Well, we did begin to get a toehold on the game. Greg Tandy, I thought, linked up very well with 
Graham Shinney and that helped a great deal to retain the ball, recycle the ball a bit better. But the equaliser when it came was was from quite a remarkable source, Ben. Um, normally, if uh, you put Mark Reynolds in that position, I'd expect to finish something along the lines of uh, Courtois' finish for Chelsea at the weekend. But uh, no, he finds a roof in the net. Aye, I mean, it was great It was great Clancy who whipped in the corner and you knew exactly what he was going for. Considine and O'Connor had both made runs to the back post and it was Davis who got there. <laughs> when you see Mark Reynolds stepping up and sort of just lashing it, you're thinking, oh, this is this is going over, this is going to land in Inverness. But he caught it absolutely perfectly. It was a fantastic strike. Um, well deserved. I think it was his first goal in however long. So he certainly enjoyed it. I have to check the uh, geography of that to see if he's at the right end <laughs> for that to land in Inverness or whether it would have been in the first. Um, but <clears throat> we spoke about Stephen May earlier, Martin. Um, it's a good bustling performance. He, he gets really. In, that's what I like about Stevie May is he always gets involved in play. And we spoke about this last week in terms of Maynard being a striker who gets involved in play but maybe isn't scoring, whereas Adam Rooney doesn't get involved in play but always seems to score. Stevie May, however, should definitely have scored on Saturday, shouldn't he? He should have. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of hoping he's going to be the mixture and the mixture of Maynard and Rooney together. But yeah, he, he should have definitely had had one. You know, I think that you know from that free kick from Tanzi, I think it was that. You know, if he was if he was a hundred percent fit, he's getting to that ball quicker and he's scoring, um, which is just something that will come. We know getting more and more games for us under his belt, but he he came on. You know, had a bit. Had, you know, he came on. He started the game. Sorry, had an, had enough of an impact to show that you no, know, he's not here just to you know just to kind of wind down because I mean he's twenty four, whatever twenty five, but he's not gonna he's not injury prone in, anymore. I don't think. Um, so it looks like he's uh, he, he means business, and he certainly got st- he got stuck in here and there, and um, lots of positives to take from it. I think uh, afterwards, Derek McInnes was at pains to point out that Stevie May can play in the uh, sole striker role. He can play as part of a two. We can also do what he did to very good effect at St Johnston on occasion, including in that cup semi final at Hamden, and play wide left um, of the supporting three. And maybe this is a good question to ask someone looking on from the outside, Jamie. So, um, obviously, Adam Rooney, 20 goals for the club each of the last three seasons. It would seem he might no longer be first choice, which would be curious, wouldn't it? Yeah, it certainly would be. And there would definitely be a number of clubs looking for him if he was to be very upset at that. But uh, I think you've got to remember the way McInnes has actually built your squad. Uh, you've got a handful of players, like GMS, Stuart... Uh, who can dribble the ball, who can get past the man. Having Stevie May there, it's going to be great. You're going to have something that can really rough up a defence. And you've got Adam Rooney just finding himself in the right place every time you put the ball in there. I think it's a great mix you've got. But if he's not going to be first choice, then there might be questions come January about whether he wants to be there or not. That's certainly going to be a difficult thing, keeping everybody happy, uh, up front at least. Um, when it came to the winner, it was a contribution from Gary Mackay-Steven. Uh, it was a good tussle down that left-hand side, I thought, between uh, Mackay-Steven and their right-back. And um, I think what he showed on Saturday was that he wasn't going to hide from the fight, which a lot of people might have suggested he was that type of player to do. Uh, and it comes from a good bit of build-up, a lot of possession from the Dons, building from the back, Ball gets worked out to Mackay Stephen, takes on his man and puts in a tremendous ball in the box. And a, but again, the desire of your, your full-back to get on the end of that uh, cross, uh, it says a great deal about um, Shea Logan's attacking desire, doesn't it, Ben? 
It does. I just want to go back to Gary McCoy, Stephen, very quickly. Um, first game against Soroki, Breedweg at home, when he rounded the goalkeeper and he failed to put over wide. It just sort of stunk of um, lacking confidence. But in these first few weeks of the season, he's just came on leaps and bounds, and I'm sure McInnes is happy with that. Um, in terms of Shea Logan, what is it, six of his 14 Aberdeen goals have came against Ross County. Yes. Um, Jim McIntyre is just sick of the sight of him. <laughs> but he, this nickname, the Fox in the Box, it only seems to be against them. Um, but he, he gets up and down that right wing. He supports Greg Stewart last season. It was Niall McGinn. He's just a fantastic outlet to have um, when you are looking for a winner because he does pop up uh, with these vital little goals. That came with about 20 minutes to go. And I suppose slightly inevitably in that situation Martin we did go back into a shell a bit after that and it did nearly cost us not once but uh, two or three times Jim O'Brien nearly got the the equaliser there was one particularly calamitous back header from Considine for which Anthony O'Connor we have to thank Um, was this preventable? I think well, obviously it was. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where Jim O'Brien was finding a strike like that from as well. He'll probably never hit a ball like that in his life. Um, but yeah, it was kind of you know that not long to, to left in the game. You kind of want to see see it out. I mean, it's an awkward scoreline, so I don't think seeing it out is the right kind of thing to say. But um, some of the chances, it was just a bit slack, really, just a bit lack of concentration, especially the back header that you mentioned there. Um, and it's just. I, well, thankfully, you know, you can uh, look back at it and go, oh, well, it's okay. But, you know, against a team with maybe slightly better forwards, um, against a team with maybe a bit more pace, um, would have, there's a chance we could have came unstuck there. And you kinda, we, got away, we got away with one, really. Ben, you were at the game on Saturday and we, we were following some of your social media updates. Uh, the one which probably uh, went viral from Saturday was an unusual one. It was uh, your celebration of uh, the Victoria Park Haggis Pie. Uh, they do very well the catering at Dingwall, don't they? Because they also they also do a staggy pie, which is a venison version. And I take it it what tasted as good as it looked, did it? It was. I mean, unfortunately, as a member of the press, you get your pies for free <laughs> at whatever game you go to. But at Ross County, the haggis pie is not on the free menu, and you actually have to pay for it. <laughs> um, so I mean, this is very difficult for me to have to part with money for a pie. But it was worth every penny. Then. Uh, Tati and Neep on top was splendid and we do they actually decent that these sort of clubs are putting on wider sort of menus instead of just your mince pie macaroni pie uh, this used staggy pie I think is venison which I think is fair play folk will actually look forward to a pie at the football rather than the burnt sort of welded to the tinfoil mess that you get at Pitodre so what I'd like to do is uh, go around the table and take some nominations for Scottish football's best savoury product. Uh, so uh, this is your chance to, to name some of the unsung heroes and uh, maybe shame some of the overrated uh, products living on their reputation. So, uh, Jamie, first of all, uh, what about you? Uh, I'll go for a rather outlandish one. I'm a big fan of the Greenock Morton Burger Van. <laughs> in general, league football, the proper way a burger van just sitting in the middle of a stand. Are we um, sure about the provenance of that meat, though? I'm not sure I would be. Yeah, it's very much like going to a carnival. <laughs> but I, I'll stand by the burgers, actually, that burger van themselves. They're actually top notch in the bovril. I think it's like one pound a bovril, so it's proper old school prices as well. Martin, um, it's no longer with us, I believe, uh, but. Uh, 
I'm going to give you another opportunity to get stuck into one of the overrated uh, pieces of uh, savoury product on the Scottish football menu. Well, yeah, that course has to be the killer pie, doesn't it? Um, just, I mean, I've, I'll, I'll, in fairness, I've only been to Rugby Park once, um, and the killer pie was absolutely crap. Um, it's just, it's became, it's became this sort of myth because, you know, somebody once wrote in the paper that they thought it was sensational and it, I think it, it did win one, some award one time, but, um, okay, yeah, but it's nowhere near, it's nowhere near as good as, you know, some of the other food you get. Some of the ones I would nominate, um, a few years ago, pre-season, we went to Station Park for Aberdeen Forfer, um, Scotch pies at Station Park were sensational, um, and you, and you just, um, you can't beat the the steak brady at Dunfermline. That was absolutely amazing. Um, I almost wish that Dunfermline would get promoted or would get them in the cup again, so we could just go back to yeah their stadium. It was just oh, the food was lovely. They were good. They were. It has to be said. They were good. Uh, I'm going to put in a nomination for uh, the St Johnston rotating effort of the steak and chorizo pie. Very nice indeed. A bit middle class, really. Maybe for for a proper uh, fit back meat product but very nice indeed uh, with all the class and sophistication that you might expect of the burgers of Perth anyway can, can I just make a little shout out for the mince and mealy pie at Fraserburgh um, very, oh Highland League good. I see okay. very good I do appreciate that when I go up there a nomination for that I would imagine the Highland League does good pies to be fair there's a lot of very good butchers <laughs> in remote uh, northern towns so yes <laughs> I stand by the theory that the lower the level quality of football, the higher the quality of food. <laughs> <laughs> so that is certainly our suggestions for some of uh, the best catering at an SPFL ground. Uh, we'll probably open that up to, to the rest of you this week and um, you can you can let us know. And um, we're more than prepared to go on a ground trip just to sample the catering, I can assure you. <laughs> But this Saturday, visitors to Pitaudry and sampling the delights of the Pitaudry pie. P.S. Don't have the steak pie. Um, or Dundee. And uh, Jamie, it's been a summer of considerable upheaval yet again. Uh, you got a new manager who was the old manager and you've been bringing in guys from the Dutch lower leagues. A wonderful trend at Dundee, isn't it? Um, I don't think it can pan out much worse than New York League to Jesse did which is um, <laughs> not saying much. But uh, there's hope. We've now found two wingers, which is a, a change on the last two or three seasons. We've got two wingers, even if they are both out injured again. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually not too pessimistic about the squad. It's mostly just the finishing strikers up top. They're kind of lacking goals. Um, defensively, we're turning into a really young defence as well. Against United, we had a, I think it was a 21-year-old average age for the mm. back four which is remarkable, considering it's usually the oldest part of the pitch, apart from a goalkeeper. So, yeah, there's, there's hit misses in that team, for sure. But I'll give, it, give them a couple of months to really work through it. Well, anyone that's seen the highlights from uh, your defeat at Hamilton on Saturday, the thing that will stand out is that finishing. And, uh, wow, uh, you, you should have won that game about 6-3. Certainly could have. Certainly could have. Um, Back to the talk about El Bakhtui, how he's won with four wonder goals. Um, he had that wonderful strike against Celtic last season, the Derby goal uh, last week, and then he has three chances, one of them with the goalkeeper, and misses them all. And it, it, it worries you, but if you're creating those chances, you do realise that eventually you'll score some of them. Um, so you kind of live with that and hope that it works out. 
But if your strike two is going to be held back to you, Marcus Haber, uh, there's questions to be asked. Perhaps the most intriguing of the summer arrivals was uh, Scott Allen in centre midfield, going back to the city of Dundee and um, getting another chance to relaunch his reputation in the SPFL. Uh, he certainly looked lively in the early League Cup games. Yeah, uh, he's, I think it's seven assists in eight games, maybe eight assists in nine games, along those lines. So he's creating goals, he's creating chances. It's just, like I say, getting those, <laughs> the ball in the back of the net. And if we're missing uh, Sofia Musa up front, and it is back to you who can't score a normal goal, and Marcus Haber, who's going to be there for a long ball, there's going to be long spells that a goal, but he's looked absolutely fantastic creating chances. And... If he can get himself fully fit, because I don't think he looks it right now, uh, then he could definitely be an asset that could help us stay up this season. And is that the target, really, Jamie? Is it no thought of top six? Is it purely just about um, <clears throat> a season of staying clear of Buzzer? I imagine after the worries last season about being bottom for so long, that stability in some way, shape or form is what you're aiming for, whether it be keeping a squad together or just avoiding relegation. I think it's probably the best way to look at it. Um, the top five is pretty much cemented. We can all guess them and rattle them off. So it's just another seven teams playing for one place is what it feels like to the teams at the bottom. Uh, it does feel like that there's going to be a, a chasm between that five and the bottom seven. And in the bottom seven, it does look like, once again, there's going to be a big jumble of teams just sitting there week in, week out, hoping it's not them bottom of the league come Saturday at 5 o'clock. Antonio McCann, what's been the uh, most used tactic? I mean, it's, you talk about using two wingers and he's he's obviously gone for that in the early part of the season. Is it a 4-4-2? Or? Uh, it varies. Um, it's, at times it comes across as a 4-3-2-1. Sometimes it's a 4-2-3-1. Um, the main facet you're seeing is though that there's always going to be Scotty Allen behind, sorry, uh, what looks like either Marcus Haber or Sophie Musa, uh, with two wingers either side, whether that be back to Randy Walters or uh, Rory Deacon. It's going to be a battle between them, but we're at the point now where our two wingers, our natural wingers, are out injured. So I'd imagine it might be a, a 4-3-2-1 against you guys at the weekend with three holding midfielders, with back to E and Allen behind Haber. This is what it probably looks like it might be. Now, from the matches last season... I'm not going to dwell too much on the last game at Dens Park, but if there was one thing which Aberdeen fans might say about Dundee, it's that they had a very, very soft centre. Has that been addressed at all? Not much, no. Um, looking deeper into the team, there's not been much changes. Um, I expect that it'll probably be um, O'Hara, uh, along with McGowan and Glenn Kamara in centre midfield. Um, Glenn Kamara does look an absolute quality signing he does remind you a lot of Kante um, he does win the ball that's something that has been lacking at Dens for a couple of years but whether or not we can stem a tide in an onslaught that we probably will see the weekend from you guys uh, it's a different question altogether because you can win the ball down the middle but when you've got GMS you've got Shea Logan you've got Greg Stewart all coming down the wings that narrow three in the middle is likely to be exposed Right at the back, are you quite surprised that you still got Scott Bain in goals? Uh, yes and no. Uh, there was a lot of talk about how he fell out with the fans. He's 
got so many fans blocked on Twitter. Dundee, Dundee United, he doesn't care. He just blocks people on Twitter for the hell of it. Um, I'm surprised he stayed, but it does it does seem like he's got a bit of a repertoire on Neil McCann, which has kept him here. He's fighting for a move. This is his contract season. His contract's up, so he's probably playing for a move now back uh, down south. So not surprised he's here. A little bit surprised here. It's kind of a toss up, really. But I'm I'm happy to have him in the goal. He's not. He's not a top five goalkeeper. He's not a top three goalkeeper in the league, but he'll he'll do it for a team that are sitting there trying to get in the middle. I mean, should you lose at Petardi on Saturday, which obviously we're all hoping you do and you're hoping you don't, that would be no points from three games. What point do does panic set in? Uh, I think panic maybe set in today. Um, when you do look at the fixtures, you know. Hamilton and County being your opening two, you're hoping to get three points from one of them. Um, after this weekend, we are away to Hibs at home to Rangers. They've got St Johnston and Celtic. So, what, in the next five games, you've got maybe one game you can think of winning. Um, so, it's definitely going to be tough getting through September with a bit of optimism. Then you're kind of hoping you can get something from Kilmarnock at the end of that. But you beat Dundee United, so. We beat them United, yeah, and we'll probably have the opportunity to play them next season if they stay done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, you were meant to be positive tonight, Jamie. That was you were going to be positive. You were going to be a positive Dundee outlook. That's kind of evaporated. Is that my fault? And then you started talking about Greg Stewart and Dean Emmons. I'm more better than I just I can't handle that anymore. Well, I do apologise, but uh, thanks for that, Jamie. That was uh, that's a very good insight into what we can expect from Dundee on Saturday. Uh, from our point of view, I think the intriguing thing about us so far this season, Ben, is that um, our strikers, whoever is playing there, aren't scoring goals. Do you reckon that'll be addressed this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I've watched Dundee. I've watched Dundee in both the Tayside Derbies and. Don't think the back four's up too much. I can see Stevie May finally getting off the line. I think he'll score if, if he starts. I'd imagine he'll play again. It is quite odd that none of the strikers are scoring yet. Nicky Maynard obviously has something about him. Um, Jaden Stockley, you can take him away from some folk like him, some folk don't. And Adam Rooney's not quite been fully fit yet. But it's very strange that despite Aberdeen winning games, their strikers aren't scoring but I do think that'll change this weekend I just think they'll give Dundee a bit of a do to be perfectly honest Martin it's not quite gelling it's not quite there yet which again you can excuse given the, the changes over the summer to a degree but it took us until post Christmas to really say the same last season by which time obviously the league you're 25-30 points behind the league it's, it's a done deal even if there isn't going to be a realistic title challenge, even if we manage to put some form, manage to hit some form now, it still means that there's a bit of hope and a bit of momentum generated. You can keep getting decent crowds at home. It's important, isn't it? Oh, of course it is. I mean, I, it'll be very, it'll be very difficult for Aberdeen to win the league. That goes without saying. Um, but you know, we've we've started off couple of couple of wins if you can keep that keep that going you know the 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 opening run of fixtures we said this last week the opening run of fixtures isn't too bad you know we we don't play um Celtic or Rangers until you know the, the basically the, la- the last two r- rounds of games so we've got a possibility of you know racking up some serious points there so you've got the thing of 
rather than having a slow start, or maybe in previous seasons where we started well and kind of ran out of steam towards the end of the season, or coming up to the where the, the split happens, you have to look and go, well, we've got a bigger squad now. We've got, we've got strength and depth. So you start well. You can hopefully just continue that form, and then when you need to start dig, digging games out, and you can you can really start putting some pressure on. And you know, if we can keep some pressure on Celtic, it keeps them honest. You no, know, do I think do I think we'll win the league? No, in my heart of hearts, no. But you can still put them under pressure and and make them at least make them at least um, compete for it. Ben, I, mean, I think you touched upon Stockley though. I think. Uh... Clearly, as the season goes on, the pitches deteriorate and so on. There are going to be times over the course of the season where you want as many different options as possible. And to me, that's what this striking uh, group of players that uh, Derek McInnes has put together right now gives you so many different options. Yeah, I think we might even see McInnes deviate from his 4 2 3 1 this season. Stevie May was better at St Johnston when he had a striker playing alongside him, but it's just a case of who do you put him alongside, do you put Rooney, Maynard or Stockley alongside him? On a Stockley thing, he's Marmite, you either love him or you hate him. I don't know myself if I do love him or hate him. So, he's definitely an option. When it gets to December and the matches are tough and you need an outlet, you need to go long, Jaden Stockley offers something in that respect. Well, that's for the months to come uh, on Saturday. It's Dundee at home. We'll have a minute by minute for you over on the website, www.bytheminute.co. And, um, yeah, we'll see how we get on, see if we're going to get three wins out of three. But until then, my thanks to Dundee fan Jamie Keith, who I think I have sent into a spiral of depression. Jamie, thank you. Yep, thanks very much, guys. We'll leave him dreaming of the pies up at Belsea Park. It's Ben Palmer. Ben, thanks. Cheers, lads. And the man who dreams every night about pies, it's Martin Clunas. Thank you very much, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's our show for you this week. But before we go, a quick word for former manager Jimmy Calderwood, who bravely announced this week that he's suffering from early-onset Alzheimer's disease. He's faced up to this battle with great courage, and we wish him well with the challenges to come. Now, a stated reason for going public was to raise awareness of the condition. So I think the very least we can all do is to head to the Alzheimer's Scotland website and read the information that's available on there. If you feel moved to donate, then you'll be able to do so on that page as well. Until next week, goodbye and come on you Reds.